Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is the 11th of September, 2022. Gaming addiction. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me this evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Sunday, September the 11th, 2022, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Ontario, Canada. I hope everybody out there has had a really good weekend and, uh, you know, a couple things going on here in the city of London. Uh, We had the air show over the weekend and, of course, the Western Fair is still going on until next Sunday. So get out there. It was a nice day. Yes, some clouds came over in the afternoon, but it didn't uh, put a damper on anybody's plans or activities. Um, It was really good weather out there. So yeah, it was, was, uh, you know, a good weekend. Um, Friday evening, I took the uh, grandkids to the fair. and that, so I, I did wanted to just touch back base about, um, homelessness. And, um, this was, um, the beginning of, of last year. And I did want to touch base on this too, when I was talking about, um, homelessness, um, um, in, in Canada and that, you know, it is a crisis and we do have a homeless crisis, a crisis in this country. And, you know, this was, um, housing our veterans, um, who were homeless here in London, Ontario, and has functionally ended in a notable milestone that brings the city one step closer to achieving absolute zero homelessness amongst our local veterans. So what does this mean? Is that the number of veterans in London who are experiencing homelessness is now less than or equal to the number of veterans the city has proven it can house in a month. And the city says functionally ended veterans homelessness back in October and reduced the rate of homelessness, homelessness uh, among veterans by 57% between March and August of last year. And the rate fell another 75% between August and September. A really aggressive approach. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. So it's just uh, just touching base because I, I've done topics and talked about homelessness in, in uh, all across Canada that it is it is a, a crisis. 
And the city of London, Ontario, Canada, um, had a very aggressive approach to the veterans who were homeless. And functionally ending veterans homelessness in October, like I said, of last year, reduced the rate of homelessness amongst our, our veterans by 57% between March and August of last year. And the rate fell another 75% between August and September. Right. So why not functional zero for homeless women or mothers with children fleeing it, fleeing abuse? Why not functional zero for our homeless indigenous population or those with addictions or those cut off from family and related supports? Why not functional zero for chronic homelessness, period? And why not in London, Ontario? Now, in 2020, you know, they come up with this plan, a 10 year plan to end homelessness. And I've always said, why didn't we start this 10 years ago? The housing stability action plan has determined the city needs to generate 3000 new affordable housing units to add to its stock and only 150 new units are are coming online each year. If that remains our pace, it would take us 20 years to achieve. Well, I guess there goes the 10 year plan. That's really unacceptable to provide 3,000 additional affordable housing units in five years in a bid to achieve functional zero for those chronically homeless. It's going to have to be a really ambitious. And it's gonna require us to quadruple the number of affordable housing units that are currently being provided annually. The mayor of the city of London says, you know, but we can do this and it's, the, and it's time to start now. It was time to start 10 years ago. No, we just let that problem exist. We just let it go. You know, maybe the homeless will just go away. You know, we won't see them. You know, with all the, you know, we went through this phase, you know, with people selling their homes and the over asking um, of the original price homes here in the city of London, you know, we're going well over a hundred thousand 
over 100,000 asking. The average home price right now in the city of London, Ontario is about $610,000. And the rents for, for, for uh, renting an, a, a one bedroom apartment, um, right now it's about $1,200 for a one bedroom apartment. That's in the city of London. One bedroom apartment in the city of Toronto can, can fetch 1800 to $2,000 for a one bedroom. Here in the city of London, it's about $1,200. And a two bedroom, that's about $2,000 for a two bedroom apartment. You want to rent a townhouse with three bedrooms? It's going to cost you about $2,400. Even if we want to, you know, their plan of ending homelessness in, in, in 10 years, even if we want to do that, we're going to have to be really aggressive in order to do that. If we're building units only at 150 a year, and like this article says, it's going to take 20 years to achieve 3,000 affordable units. 20 years. If this is the pace that we're working on, on a 10 year plan, well, they need to go back to the drawing board and figure this out because 150 units a year, isn't going to cut it. We have this so-called, you know, people, I talked about this the other day, people who are on welfare, social assistance, Able bodies that can work. If we went back 45 years, I mean, this system was just, you know, you could live, you could live on welfare. You didn't have to go get a job. You're an able body. You can live on, on welfare. You know, high school dropouts, teenage girls getting pregnant. They live in lending housing, collecting welfare. staying on this through through most of their lives because you know when when your when your child becomes 18 years old then you have to move out of housing but oh no they'll just have another baby and maybe another baby after that and they continue just to live on welfare not because they have any mental illnesses because that's what they chose to do and then the government tried, you know, we're going to get aggressive with this, with the system. And now we're going to call it work fair. And what that means is, is that they set up programs to help you move forward. Like for, for starters, getting your grade 12 education, helping you channel through post-secondary education, adult learning, 
offering you all of these supports. And you have to go through all these programs. You can't say, oh, no, I'm not going to do those. I'm not going to do any of those programs. Just give me welfare. That's not how it works anymore. The system was never meant to live on welfare the rest of your life until your kids are 18 years old. Because a single person on welfare gets $733 a month. And rents are $1,200 a month. How are you going to afford that? The waiting list right now here in the city of London, Ontario, Canada, the waiting list for affordable housing is seven to eight years. I just, for the heck of it, went online to look for, you know, uh, look, look for an apartment. I'm looking through all, all, all rentals and everything else like that. And it's waiting lists. Waiting lists just to rent an apartment for $1,200. A waiting list. Because when we went through uh, uh, what, what people selling their homes and, and you know, um, the house going 100000 or more over asking, that just knocked a lot of people out of the housing to be able to buy. I mean, the bank is only going to lend you so much money and it can't be more than 30% of, of your income. So someone else comes along and turns around and, and goes 100000 over asking, then you, you're out of the market. So to even just to go find a two-bedroom apartment, a one-bedroom apartment, you know, there's waiting lists for that too. People aren't moving. If the housing prices come down, in which they are starting to do, and people who paid, you know, end up paying $800,000 for a house when it was only $700,000, and we're already seeing it by, you know, by probably even by the end of this year, that $800,000 that you paid for that house is now going to be worth 600000 It's crazy. So, you know, to, to have affordable housing, um, to get people housed, get them, you know, out of shelters, get them... You know, we have the hidden population, the hidden homelessness to get them into an apartment. The hidden homeless, I mean, these are the people that are working and they can't afford to rent. So they're staying with friends or they're staying with another relative, couch surfing, living in their cars, but they have a job, but they can't afford the rent. I talked about this the other night. All across Canada, on any given night, with the hidden population of the homelessness, is 50,000 on any given night across Canada.
that is just unacceptable. Minimum wage in this province of Ontario is only sixteen seventy-five an hour. Yeah, there's companies out there, you know, even in the hospitality, you know, are paying more than minimum wage, but they're certainly not paying a livable wage. The Bank of Canada is talking about raising the interest rates again by a point to hope to settle down the economy. Gas prices lately, you know, um, we, we, we pay in liters. So when, when, the, when it really spiked, you know, um, for regular gasoline, it was like $1.85. It was two, over $2 for premium. Now it's around $1.45. So gas prices are starting to come down. But now when you go to the supermarket, you go grocery shopping. Prices have gone up, obviously. I went I went over to the grocery store earlier this evening just to pick up some munchies because I just started to crave some munchies. You know, if for a bag of potato chips was five dollars, five dollars for a bag of potato chips—that's ridiculous. They were under three dollars. It's crazy. You know, so, you know, I mean, we talk about, you know, how we're going to end homelessness and, you know, how more aggressive we have to be with this. You know, we are going to have to double what we're building. If we're only doing 150 new units coming a year, we're going to have to double it or triple it in order to achieve this whole 10-year plan that they're talking about of ending homelessness. But it just doesn't stop there. We have to keep them housed. And people with other illnesses and addictions are going to need treatment. They're going to need the help. And they're going to need the supports. We have a long ways to go. You know, um, just, you know, not the, not just the opiate crisis that we have here in Canada, you know, gaming addiction. And it's a real thing. You know, should we be sounding the alarm bells? Is it a real problem? 
or is it just a phony panic with with uh, gaming addiction? When I was growing up, there was no such thing as gaming. There was no such thing as the internet. There was no computers. There was no laptops. There was no cell phones. It didn't exist. Sure, we played games. We played board games. Thank you for joining me, Pink Squirrel. Nice to have you back on the Truckers Podcast. So growing up, we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have computers, laptops, none of that stuff. And when we came, gaming never existed. Board games existed. Playing outside is what we did. Now, parents out there, I mean, they can't even pull a video game out of the kid's hand to get them to get them up off their ass, even to go clean their room. You know, in 2018, the World Health Organization recognized gaming addiction as a disorder for the first time. Among those with gaming addiction problems, 94% are male and 6% are female. Studies estimated that 1% to 10% of gamers worldwide struggle with a gaming addiction. And, you know, it's just, you know, if you just play video games yourself, you're not online, you know, but, uh, you know, just think about how many online gamers there are in the world. I'm not saying every one of them has an addiction, obviously, but the problem is there and the problem is real. You know, around 8.5% of youth gamers in the United States are addicted to video games. 8.5% of youth gamers. Gaming addiction uh, addiction uh, caused 60% of issues um, related to OCD. You know, um, the studies also point to the connection between gaming addiction and other mental health issues. And one study found that gaming addiction was the cause of the 16% of the issues related to OCD and in, in, in physical symptoms. These statistics on video game addictions indicate that gaming can act as a gateway to numerous mental health problems.
That's a lot, really, if you think about it. You know, 5.9% of, uh, of students in Singapore that were categorized as pathological gamers use video games to cope with depression and anxiety. Another study found that those who were diagnosed with internet gaming disordered had increased levels of social anxiety. I don't know, maybe, you know, don't want to interact with anybody else. They're interacting with a screen. They are interacting in real time, playing with other gamers around the world. I mean, how much time? I mean, if you play video games, I mean, how much time do you, do you spend? And you think about that and give yourself, you know, an honest answer. Because you know how long, you know, if you do play games, you know how long... You, you sit in front of that screen. And what are you getting done outside of that? I mean, procrastinating. Oh, I'll, do, oh, I'll have this to do, but I want to finish this game first. And you just keep playing the game. And you know you have other important things to do, but you just keep pushing them off. Do you spend an hour playing video games? A day? Three hours a day? I mean, that means, you know, after you come home from school or you come home from work, do you play from... 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. Till midnight. I don't play video games. But it didn't it didn't do anything for me at all. I have no games on my cell phone. I have no games on my laptop. It's just something that didn't intrigue me. It it does nothing for me. See, because I come from an age where we socialized without the help of cell phones and social medias. We did it the old-fashioned way, the old-fashioned social creatures that we are. So even coming, you know, coming into that age, coming into that period, you know, where the first PC came available, you know, the first video games started to come out. 
you know, what we called when we were, you know, 12, 13 years old, whatever the case may be, we, we would go to the arcade, play pinball. Even then, there's, there, there wasn't video games just yet. Individual, uh, and sorry, individuals diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder have elevated rates of problem, uh, problematic video game usage. ADHD refers to disorder characterized by the impulse in attention prolonged periods of procrastination and short bursts of hyperactivity. Disorders especially prevalent among adolescents and with estimates saying that between 5% to 11% of this age group suffers from ADHD. And of course, adolescents are one of the most represented groups among gamers since they are able to devote more time to gaming. I know somehow they could, they can just, Obviously, they can just focus on that one thing, and that's what they want to focus on. They don't have any other distractions. You know, we, we, what we do you know, in society and our governments. We blame the game developers. They are accused of purposely adding addictive elements to their games. So in recent years, evidence and testimonies increasingly suggest that players are not the only ones to blame for their addictions. Stats about video games indicate that game developers are injecting addictive mechanisms into their video games. It's no secret that every company wants their product to be as popular as possible for longer periods of time. You know, especially true in the video game industry and more specifically when it comes to online video games. You know, single player video games are usually designed to have the customer spend a certain amount of time with the product. Then the player may get through the game multiple times on, on different levels of difficulty before deciding to move on. But the online games however, depend on the devoted player base that will continue playing for a longer period of time. So the developers behind these games usually add in game activities that prolong the game's lifespan. These include daily repetitive activities, time-granted content, 
the promise of rewards and so on. I guess you get to each different levels and stuff like that. You get these, you have to get the rewards or you have to get so many points that maybe accumulate money to buy the, to, to buy whatever you need to accomplish this game, to defeat this game. So we, so we go to these companies and, and, you know, so we're blaming the developers and the companies have faced recent allegations of, of purposely adding addictive mechanisms to the promise to, to, to their products. And they say they, they target the vulnerable players and they're designed to keep them playing longer and to get them to spend money in the game. And this may be, this may be true and it may be, it probably is true. So do we blame them 50%, the developers and the gamers, we do blame them 50%? Do the, do the gamers just don't know when to quit? When do you know to quit? I, you know, yeah, I mean, um, Pink Squirrel, yeah, I mean, we can, we, we actually can, can blame both. I mean, we're the human being. You're playing a, a, a computer. You're playing, you're playing an online computer. When do people... When do you, if you're a gamer, when do you, when do you finally say, well, you've had enough? You know, I've talked to people about, about online gaming and, and stuff like that. And, it, and it's, and it's like, you know, they, I haven't even heard of these games that, um, heard of the games, what they, what they even mentioned. I don't even know what they are. You know, you know, I'm just making one off the top of my head. Oh, the sorcerer or something. I, I don't even know what that is. Right. You know, yeah. And you're right. Pink squirrel. Um, kids are playing with older people online as well, because I mean, it's that online community, the line, online gamers. And they may, you know, join that group or, you know, cause they like that game that they're playing. You know, from teenagers and maybe 12, 10, 12 years old, teenagers all the way up to adults are in that certain group and they're playing this certain game because this is the one that they're really, they're, they, they really like to play. Yeah, like Podbean, with, but with, with graphic games. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, like, like, this is like, um, um, well, it's, it's a, it's a, oops, sorry, I missed you. It's like a, a media outlet, you know, for people who do podcasts and stuff like that. Right. But I, I, you know, this was the, you know, this was the first time, you know, in a long time 
that I actually did. Okay, it says that you can't join right now. I don't know why, but um, call-ins. Let me see if I press this. What is this going to do? See what happens. Anyways, yeah. So, I mean, this is the first time in a long time that um, I actually did a show um, for an entire, for an entire week, one hour, or maybe just over an hour, you know, generally, I'm just generally, I'm just out here on weekends, you know, but there is a, a, but may, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on there because my call-ins are, um, activated. So, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not addicted to podcasting. Oh, it's you. Is you doing that? (laughs) Okay. I thought it was just on my end and I'm thinking, okay, my call-ins are on what's going on here. Anyways. Yeah. Um, You know, like, like for myself, you know, I mean, I usually do this on the weekends, but you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. I mean, I've talked about, I mean, we have the healthcare crisis, you know, all across Canada, you know, we have the homeless crisis. We have the opiate crisis and and so on and so forth. You know, so there is a lot going on. So, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I want to really talk about this stuff. I mean, you know, these topics, though, too, you know, they're a discussion that needs to continue on because there is so much going on with it. You know, for for social media, you know, I do have Facebook. Um, I don't use it, you know, I mean, I have my friends and and then family on there and I browse it every now and again, you know, there, if there's something that, you know, I want to, um, something, you know, someone posted something, you know, and it, it, it was pretty interesting, you know, it was a positive, it was a positive thing. Then of course, as you browse, you know, and you see comments, you know, um, you know, look, I mean, you, you heard, you obviously heard, you know, the boat, you know, the truckers convoy here in Canada back in January and February. And, um, it, you know, started out as a legal protest, but it became illegal very quickly. Right. And then I might see posts where people are saying, 
you know, um, it was something along the line, you know, um, oh, if other, if, you know, it's the other Canadians that voted for the Liberals and the NDP. It's their fault Trudeau is still in, in power. Blaming others. And, you know, and, and I did reply back to it because, you know, I felt the need to do that. Right. Because in this country of Canada, I have the right to vote whoever I want to vote for. And if these individuals or groups don't like it, they can just kiss my sorry ass. Don't blame me for your problems. If you have a problem with the government, that's a you problem, not my problem. And don't blame thousands or you know millions of other Canadians who voted for the Liberal Party or the NDP party. And uh, excuse me, I'm sorry your Conservative Party didn't get elected. They almost got decimated. You know, things like that, right? So... I don't browse very often, you know, and, um, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a go on, you know, on on social media, you know, like TikTok. I I don't even know what that is. You know, I'm 60 years old. I don't know what that is. I know what YouTube is. You know, people post on, on, on YouTube all the time. You know, I do browse YouTube and stuff on that. I'm on um, um, LinkedIn as well, only because um, back in uh, 2015, 2016, you know, I enrolled in uh, a one-year program for community uh, uh, service worker. And, you know, they want you to, you know, put a program, uh, put a profile on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that. Okay, whatever. It's like that. I don't, know, I don't even, I, I haven't been on LinkedIn in so long, I forgot my password. I don't even want to bother to, you know, oh, send me a new password or, or the, the, to, to put a new password in. I'm not even going to bother. You know? I watch the news. I read the news. I was smart enough to put two to two to two and two together. I'm smart enough to know what's right and what's wrong. I know the difference between right and wrong. I know the difference between misinformation and disinformation. The whole lot of bullshit goes on out there. It's, you know,
when we when we talk about you know i mean you look at uh european video game addiction uh, addiction uh stats um 41% of online video game players said they use games to escape real life problems Online role-playing games are more likely to lead to video game addiction than the other other um, uh, game uh, engineers. Oh, well, I don't know. What type of role-playing are they talking about? You know, again, here they say that games are designed to encourage people to spend more time and money on playing. And this leads to video game addiction. You need certain things, I guess, to, to achieve each level. I don't know. Maybe badges turns into tomorrow you have to pay for those badges and, you know, Wonder how much people spend spend on gaming. You know, it's like gambling, I guess, you know, how much people spend on gambling. And that's another addiction. You know, 44% of surveyed um, World of, of Warcraft players say that they are addicted to video games. 44%. You know, I I mean, this was, was really difficult for me because... You know, um, my 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 grandson growing up, and you know, I'm that old-fashioned grandpa that you know, for your birthday and Christmas and whatnot, I'm going to buy you toys to play with. I'm not the only grandparent. The the other the the better half, I mean, has his parents who are are, are the grandparents too. Then of course my daughter's mother is the other grandparent. You know, buying those those um, the electronic educational games. Okay, fine. But I still wasn't going there with that. I still buy them toys. Toys for, you know, for him, for, for boys. He, he, you know, he's a boy. And then my granddaughter comes along. And then it just became a losing battle because then the other grandparents buying 
video games. Which I was going to be no part of. But then as the years roll roll along, you know, my grandson is 12. And what does this grandpa do? It, it was it was a losing battle. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't I had no ammunition to fight. And I broke. And I kind of feel guilty that I that you know I gave in and in, in the battle that I was having within myself. He plays far too much video games, far too much. And I try to have this discussion with his mother. You know, my daughter, I mean, she's, she's an adult. You know, parents are supposed to have that, that control, right? You're the parent, you're the rule maker. These are the rules and you follow them. After school, when you get home, you have homework to do. That's number one. Then it's dinner time. Want to go out to one of your friends? Fine. You can have one hour playing video games. One hour. That's in uh, that's you know that's in, in in pretend world. Kids have far too much screen time. than what they should have. That's my opinion. I know because I'm a grandfather and my grandson, he's on his video games all the time. We went on our summer holidays at the beginning of August. And he brings along his Nintendo Switch. And I told him that during the daytime, you're not touching that game. Because if you do, it'll be in my car and it'll be locked up. You can have it if you don't feel like sitting at the fire. You can go into the cottage and you can, you know, play your video games, whatnot, right? But not during the daytime. You know, actually, you know, he was pretty good about that. When there was just, I mean, there was a lot of things to do at the cottage. And lots of other, you know, there's kids there his age he could hang out with.
you know, weekends, I mean, he, he'll spend hours and hours and hours playing the video games. And what happens when this happens, school starts to suffer. And we see this right across the board. Yes, we want kids to have entertainment. That's, you know, I mean, in, in today's world, I guess that's part of their entertainment. I mean, it was never part of my entertainment when I was growing up. My, my entertainment was playing outside. You know, here's, a, here's another one here. New guidelines in China prohibit users under 18 from playing games between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. and restrict playing time to no longer than 90 minutes on weekdays. <laughs> Try that in a democracy. That ain't going to happen. You know, video game, you know, here's another one. Video game addiction may stem from personal and mental problems rather than the games themselves. So this particular research um, highlights flaws in arguments that um, um, attribute addiction to video games. The researcher uh, states that those who who display signs uh, of what we usually interpret uh, as video games addictions, you know, are the result of other problems in life and ineffective time management. This means that people dealing with depression and ordinary concerns in their everyday lives turn to video games as a coping mechanism. Mechanism. And this contradicts conclusions by some video gaming addiction statistics that the games are the sole cause of the addiction. You know, this, this statement, you know, is, you know, is really true of how people, you know, cope with just other ordinary concerns and, and with depression that they turn to video games as a coping mechanism. How do we can control it as parents? Well, I guess parents are just going to have to find that niche. They're going to have to find that works for them. They're going to have to find out what works for their child. Or their adolescent child. You know, even screen time, you know, like myself, you know, I don't spend a lot of time, you know, looking up something. You know, like, you know, just like for this topic here, talking about gaming addiction. Well, I mean, you know, to get 
something that I feel that is, is, is really relevant to it, you know, um, on the internet, you know, I'll spend like 15 minutes. You know, say, all right, well, you know what? This is good information. This is what I want to work with. This is what I want to go with. And that's it. And then I don't even think about it again. Until maybe 15 minutes before I come on air. I don't jump at my phone every time I get a notification. It's not a baby. It doesn't need attention. I mean, I watch TV like everybody else does different programs, movies, whatever like that. My phone is not in my hands. And like I say, I don't have any games on my phone. I remember my grandson asked me one day, he says, Grandpa, do you have any games on your phone? I said, no. And he kind of looked at me like, with that look on his face, what do you mean? No. I said, no, I don't have games on my phone. I don't play video games. It just kind of felt, you know, he kind of just felt, thought that was kind of odd. You know? It's almost, you know, he's thinking that everybody, you know, who has a cell phone, you got to have video games on there. You know, what else do you do on your phone? Well, my phone is for work. Everything that I, I need, you know, the company that I work for, you know, sends me my itinerary. It has the electronic log on my cell phone. It has everything on there to, so I can do my job. I remember, um, it's gotta be back now 25 years I was dating. I don't think we, I, yeah, I don't think we're, I don't, I don't think we, no, 90. So, you know, between 90, 1990 and 1995, you know, um, I remember the, uh, the Ikea or not the Ikea, the, the, uh, Nakia, no, Nakoda or whatever cell phone come out or whatever the hell it was. It, it was just a phone. You couldn't do anything else on it but dial somebody's number. There wasn't even any texting. 
So it just goes to show you how far cell phones have come. Now it's, you know, a mini computer in your hand. And you can do whatever you want with this thing. You know? And we're probably gonna we're probably not even gonna be able to tap into it to its full function in its full capabilities. But people use it for gaming, people use it for for uh, um, social media, texting. You know, sometimes I'll be out and about and, and I'll see, you know, a couple people sitting on the bench and, and they're sitting there and they're texting away. And as I'm walking by, I'm wondering to myself, are they texting one another? It just seems that that seems like that's the communication these days. That's how people communicate now. I don't have time to sit there and, and, and text back and forth with anybody. I will call you on the phone and you know, what are you up to? You want to go have a couple pints? No. Okay. Whatever. Goodbye. Right. That's the conversation. If you want to meet up, perfect. I'm more than happy to talk to you in person than sitting there texting back and forth or on Messenger. My sister said the other day, says, did you get my message? I go, what message? She goes, I sent it to you on Messenger. I said, I don't even bother with Messenger. You know, it's like, what did you want anyway? Oh, I just want to know if you're coming down this weekend. Oh, you couldn't pick up the phone and call me and ask me? You know, I just, I can't, you know, I, I was talking, I was on the show last night too. You know, I had to go somewhere the other day. And by the time I was halfway there, I realized I didn't have my cell phone. And I, and I sure wasn't the hell going to turn it around and go back and get it either. I continued on to where I had to go, did my business, and then came home. Anybody trying to reach me for whatever reasons, call back. If it's important, call back. That's it. You know, like a lot of addictions, you know, out there, um, it's, um, it's crazy. You know, like I say, we're like, I mean, in the United States and in, you know, Europe and, you know, we, we, we share the same, 
We share the same problems. We have mental health. We have an opiate an opiate crisis. I don't know about the United States in a healthcare crisis, but Canada sure is in a healthcare crisis. And the homeless crisis. And it's, you know, um, it, of course, with addiction, alcohol. You know, lots of problems and now we seem to be doing something about it. Or at least trying to. You know, I was talking earlier, you know, with the uh, um, the homelessness. And, um, you know, being summertime and everything, um, you see the homelessness out there. You see the people who are. Wintertime comes, not so much. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they go, they go, Jesus, Douglas, you know, I see a lot of homeless people. You know, they're not always down in that core area where where they where you know where the shelters are and you know their uh, um, their services are stuff like that. I mean, they 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 branch out, and we see more and more people panhandling, standing on the island in the middle of the roadway, panhandling for money. More so than we've ever seen. It used to be the people out there with squeegees want to wash your windows for money. Wash your windshields for money. And now it's now they're standing on the street corner with, with, with a sign. Please help, I'm homeless and hungry. And they've branched out to the major intersections where most of the traffic is. Which you're not going to see that over the winter months because it's just too damn damn cold. And they certainly don't have the clothing in order to keep themselves warm. But you'll see, you know, here and there, you know, people... You know, they'll be at a coffee shop. You know, I don't give, I don't give money. You know, if I go to my favorite coffee shop and I'm going in there and, and, you know, it's very visible to me that, you know, um, you're in some sort of despair. You know, they'll say, can you spare some change? And I said, how about if I buy you a sandwich and a coffee? And they're obliged to say, yes, please. Thank you.
I'd rather do it that way than, you know, because I, I don't know if they have an addiction or not. Just because a person is homeless doesn't mean they have an addiction. But I don't want to give them money and, you know, in the back of my mind going, well, I don't really, you know, should have done that because I, are they getting enough money together to support their addiction? I'd rather see them get something to eat or I'd rather say something or say something like, do you know where the um, the resources are that can help you? More likely they do because they, they'll access those services. But then there are those services, you know, they're available at certain hours. You know, maybe an, an afternoon lunch and then uh, at, at dinner hours where, where these agencies, you know, provide meals to the homeless. And of course, shelter. And if they can get there to get a bed, but others prefer to be in the elements. They don't like the shelters. So was, was I mean like everything that goes on in our lives and all around us, you know, we don't see you know, video game addiction. Unless you personally are in that household living it, you don't see it. And even with when it, when it comes to drugs and alcohol, you may not even see that addiction because it doesn't just mean the poor people have drug and alcohol addictions. But it's because that you see that. You don't see anything else. You don't see middle class people with their drinking problems or their addiction problems. They exist, but you don't see them. It's like the hidden homeless. You don't see the hidden homes. I talked earlier, you know, when, when before you came on my show, some of you came on my show, you know, any given night across Canada in the hidden homeless population, they're estimated about 50,000 hidden homeless across the country on any given night. And they're working people that can't afford the rent because they're not making enough money. 
living paycheck to paycheck. So if something happens, they get laid off, and you depended on that paycheck, now you get behind your rent, and then the eviction notice comes along. Could be an illness that comes along, an accident. And just by the snap of your fingers, in a blink of an eye, you're homeless. Yes, here across the province of Ontario, here in Canada, you know, the government has, you know, has, um, Raise the minimum wage. But this premier that we have of this province four years ago he cut that like the minimum wage was just like fifteen fifty an hour. And he, he cut it right there. He you know he wasn't gonna raise it. And just, you know, running his election campaign to be reelected as, as the as the premier of Ontario, then he starts talking about the minimum wage going up. Oh, yes, I'm going to increase the minimum wage. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's what politicians play this, this fucking game with people's lives to get reelected. Now the minimum wage is sixteen seventy five. Would be shit because that doesn't pay rents that are eleven, twelve hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom apartment. Never mind two or three bedroom townhouse. It's absolutely ridiculous, you know. So, anyways. Yeah, you know, I kind of vent a little bit, you know, kind of go off topic a little bit. But that's just me. That's just who I am. So I want to thank you for joining me this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday, um, a new week coming up. So for me to come back out here, I mean, I have to look at what at my schedule, you know, because it varies. My hours you know, are anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day. So, and um, depending what's going on, depending how I feel, because nothing worse than trying to do, you know, a podcast when you're tired. You know, and then you can't, you can't concentrate because your brain wants to go to sleep. So, um, hopefully, you know, I mean, it could be midweek before I come back out here, but I'm going to be back. If, if, if I'm not out here during the week, I mean, if you don't get a notification, you know, if you follow me, if I post a show, I think you get a notification that, you know, such and such time and date, you know, the Truckers podcast will be on air. But generally, it's just the weekends. You know, unless something really big comes up, 
you know, something miraculously, you know, happens with the homeless and, and we got them all housed, you know, that'd just be a huge story. But we know that's not going to happen. But it, it's a topic that needs to be discussed, you know, if not on, on, on a regular basis. You know, talk, you know, talk to your friends and family about online gaming. I mean, give yourself a fair and, and, and um, assessment and be honest with yourself. If you are a gamer, you know, go through the checklist of how much time you spend online gaming. See whether or not you have a problem, but you have to be honest with yourself and you have to, you know, say, you know what? Shit, I got a problem. You know, it's easy just to push it aside, say, no, I really don't have a problem. I don't really, you know, I don't really get to that criteria just yet. You know, I'm, I'm still, you know, 15 minutes away from, from, from that, from that ledge. No, keep your be honest with yourself. And maybe, you know, I mean, if you do have if you do have that, I mean there if you do have a gaming addiction, I mean you know there's help. You know, never be afraid to ask for help. No matter what it is. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel that it's your that it's your fault. You know, there's always somewhere to turn, you know, to ask for help. But hopefully, you know, this week I can get out and uh, do a couple shows throughout the week, you know, and um, weekends for sure i'll be out here and of course i'll i'll put it up on on podbean you know the date and time and topic whatever like that so you can see that you can you can join me and if you can't join me i understand that's okay that's no problem so like i said enjoy the rest of your night and until we meet again enjoy your week This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good night.